can't even picture my life without Frasier. I mean, it's become so much a part of of our 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 walk and our our friendships, um, our service. Our I mean, it just and it encourages us to reach out into you know into the neighborhood and the community, the city. And I, I was you know brought up in the church from early on, uh, but then in my middle years being in the Air Force and um, family and what have you, I wasn't as committed. Um, and once I plugged back in, um, it is like I had the head knowledge and then I went where and it transferred to my heart and then I think the the extra growth was your hands and your feet. Back in March, um, when it was going to stay at home, uh, some neighbors invited us to meet with them um, to pray and, and, and just encourage each other. And um, my husband started giving little devotions. And I would help him find them, and then he would tailor them and we thought, well, this will go on a couple weeks, you know, and people either tire of it or somebody else. We kept encouraging them, if you have a devotion, you have something you want to share. But no, you no, you're doing great, you're doing great. Keep doing it, keep doing it. And there ended up being anywhere between seven and ten people would meet. We would social distance, and we would meet at the end of our driveway because there was a, a street light there. Um, and oh my goodness, we got to know each other so much better. And I mean, we have a 13-year-old that comes out and she is delightful. Um, and then we have, you know, busy middle-aged people with children and then we have older people like we are. And um, so it's, it's just been wonderful. If you know the Lord and you love the Lord, it's a privilege to serve him, and, and you're going you're gonna to be blessed so much more than you ever give. If you feel a nudge, some, there's an opportunity to serve, then step out in faith. Well, pray about it first, of course, but step out in faith, and you will be amazed. You'll be amazed because God, if he calls you, he's going to equip you. Morning. morning. Welcome home. It's good to be here, huh? Yeah, absolutely. As Ken said, we are in our 40 days of vision in his steps. I love hearing testimonies about how God has worked in people's lives over the years. I loved how she said whenever she got plugged in back into the church, it was when it took what was in her head and it sank into her heart. And then she had a place to use her hands. This is powerful, powerful stuff. And it's available to every single one of us. We believe that God is calling us to fulfill the great commission to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that he has commanded us. We believe that we're called to do that as a church, and we do that by living the great commandment where we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love our neighbor 
even as we love ourselves. And this is part of what we're looking at and what we're living into over these 40 days. And today I want to talk about loving God with all of your heart. Loving God with all of your heart. So Lord, right now, would you open our hearts? Would you open our hearts that we may receive what you have for us this morning? Not my words, but yours. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. One of the things that uh, you may not know about me is that I'm a, I'm a little competitive. And uh, by a little, I mean a lot. Uh, I am extremely competitive. It does not matter what we're playing, what we're doing. It does not matter. I want to win. I mean, there's no other way, right? I mean, you just, I, I want to win. Well, something happened in my life. Uh, I, I saw you laughing over there, Cody. I beat you at ping pong this week. <coughs> In Jesus' name. And uh, uh, something happened in my life about 20 years ago. 20 years ago, a friend of mine invited me to play tennis. And as we were out there playing tennis, all of a sudden, I, I found myself in this place where I was losing my will to win. It, it was crazy. I, I, it was this, I'd never felt this before. I'd never felt this in my life. But all of a sudden, I'm out there and I'm playing tennis. And there's people who are playing, you know, with us. And, and my friend who invited me, he invited some more friends. And we're all out there playing tennis. And all of a sudden, I'm losing my will to win. And the problem was, was she was so pretty. <laughs> she was so pretty. I, I, don't get me wrong, I still wanted to win. I just wanted to drag the match out a little bit. You know what I mean? I didn't want to win fast. And a few years later, Emily and I were married. Yeah, met on the tennis court. But, what, but something was happening in me. What was happening in me was, was this, this heart issue. This, my heart was changing, right? Because I was in love. Yeah? When it comes to our hearts, our hearts are powerful things in our life. It kind of gets written off today just like, you know, you, you know, the heart is something, you know, like a romantic movie, a romantic comedy or something like that. No, your heart is a very serious thing. And I'm not just talking about the one beating in your chest. And that raises a good question, and that is, what does the Bible mean when it says heart? When the Bible talks about your heart, what does it mean? Well, uh, one of the ways you can put this is that your heart is the seat of your affections, it is the place of your desires. It's where your desires come from and originate. I'm not just talking about fleeting feelings. I'm not talking about emotional whims. I'm talking about the place where we have deep-seated desires in us. That is your heart. That is your heart. And this place is a very important place. In fact, in Proverbs 27, verse 19, it says, As a face is reflected in water. So the heart reflects the real person. You want to know who you really are. You have to look deep within your heart because that's who you really are. And that your heart, these desires, they drive us in so many ways. So many ways. It's so powerful. They drive us and push us forward. It was the great Anglican priest, William Law, who said that all people desire what they believe will make them happy. 
All people desire what they believe will make them happy, and that is so true. We desire things in life when we see them and we assess it and we think, I think that will make me happy. That's what we start pursuing in life. And our desires drive us in this way. They're powerful. Our, our desires drive, I want to point out three main things. Number one, our desires drive devotion. Our desires drive devotion. Another way to put that is you will devote yourself to what you desire, what your heart desires. In many ways, your life and how you live life is nothing but a large megaphone revealing what it is you actually desire. That's how powerful it is. Desires drive devotion. Number two, our desires drive our decisions. Our desires drive our decisions. And it is the actions of our life these decisions that we make that bring us great joy or great regret, what we have to realize is that we do not make decisions in a vacuum. We don't. We are real people, flesh and blood people, emotions and all, minds and all. We do not make decisions in a vacuum. And whenever we make decisions, they come from somewhere. And many times it is the place of desire within us. And that's why some of life's greatest joys, when we look back on them, and there is something that we wanted, and it was right and good and healthy, and we pursued it, and it brought joy into our life. That was wonderful. Also, while we have some of life's greatest regrets, if we look back, we, we see how that there was an unhealthy desire in us. It was unhealthy, not right, not good, but we pursued it anyway, and we regret it to this day. And many times we make decisions based on that not just quickly like that. They're not just quick, no. They come from somewhere. There are desires living within us. But ultimately, desire not only determines devotion, desire not only determines, uh, drives our decisions, but our desires, they drive our direction. They set the direction for our life. Our desires set the trajectory of our life, if you want to put it that way. In other words, you will go where you allow your desires to take you. You will go where you allow your desires to take you. The associate justice of the Supreme Court from 1902 to 1932 was a man by the name of Oliver Wendell Holmes. Oliver Wendell Holmes said, the greatest thing in the world is not so much where you are, it is in what direction you are going. The greatest thing in the world is not so much where you are, it is in what direction you are going. That is true for you, that is true for your life, that is true for us as a church. The greatest thing is not where we are today, but ultimately where we're going. But what we have to understand is where we're going, that direction, it's driven by what we desire and what we desire the most. So this issue of desires is pretty important. And it leads me to ask a question. If we have desires that drive us ultimately toward God or away from God, the question that I want to ask is simply, how can my heart be right with God? How can my desires align with God's desires? God spoke to a man many years ago. His name was Jeremiah, and Jeremiah wrote down what God was speaking to him. And in Jeremiah chapter 17, Jeremiah penned the words from God that says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. And he gives us this stark warning, this warning that we all know to be true, that we have this heart, and many times this heart leads us in the wrong direction. That's why whenever we do make decisions in life, and then we have to live with that decision for a while, many times we look back and we say, wow, it 
seemed like the right thing to do at the time. But boy, I wish I hadn't have done that. You ever said that? Of course, we all have. It seemed like the right thing to do at the time. And Jeremiah says, yeah, the heart is deceitful above all things. Above all, you can be deceived by your own heart. Now, that sounds like really bad news, but that same God spoke to that same Jeremiah. And in Jeremiah 24, God spoke through Jeremiah and said, I will give, I will give them a heart to know me. I'm going to give people a heart to know me, for I am the Lord, and they will be my people, and I will be their God, for they will return to me with their whole heart. Their whole heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Yes, but God says, I'm going to step in. I'm going to give them a new heart. They're going to return to me with their whole heart. This just reveals the relentless pursuit of God in our life, doesn't it? We have this God who loves to continually pursue us and chase after us in life. He does not give up. In fact, whenever we rebel, just straight up rebellion, not like I accidentally sinned. No, like just straight up rebellion. It's as if God kind of gets a twinkle in his eye and he sits back and he grins and he says, I'm going to get you. I'm not going to let you keep running. I'm going to keep pursuing you. And this is how much this God loves us. That leads me to the first point. If, 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 how can my heart be right with God? Well, the first thing I have to do is come to this place where I believe, where I really believe that God wants my heart to be pure. I come to this place where I say, yes, God actually wants me to have a pure heart. He wants my heart to align with his heart. He wants my affections to align with the affections of heaven. He wants my desires to be his desires. We have this uh, famous passage. We refer to it often, Psalm 23, where the Lord is my shepherd. If you go to Psalm 24 in verses 3 and 4, David pins these words. He says, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can stand in his holy place? Meaning, who can go up to meet with God in the temple, right? The hill of the Lord, his holy place. Who can do that? He answers and says, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. He's not lifted up his soul to what is false. Who has clean hands and a pure heart. Many times we read this as a warning. David wrote it as an invitation. He's inviting us to come in because God wants us to ascend his hill. He wants us to stand in his holy place. He wants us to meet with him and be in his presence. But in that, he wants to clean our hands and purify our hearts. It was Jesus who said in Matthew 5, 18, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will what? See God. We know that God wants to be seen. God wants to be known. God wants to be experienced. No matter where you are right now in life, this is, God wants this for you. And if God wants to be seen, and Jesus said we could see him, then the first part of the verse is true, and that is that my heart can be pure. Some of you right now, you're wrestling with this. You're really struggling with this idea that, that God really cares about what's going on in my heart. Some of you have been living with desires that have been rising up in you. Some of you watching online or on television right now, you're struggling with this. You may be sitting in a very comfortable recliner, but you're struggling with these desires you feel on the inside, and you're not sure what to do with them. You think, maybe they're okay, maybe they're not. Maybe I can pursue them, maybe I cannot. Or maybe you know they're not of God, and you don't know what to do with all of this that's going on in you. Some of you in the room, you're like me, and you've been a Christian for a very long time. 
And what happens to us after we've been walking with the Lord for a while, we actually start neglecting the heart questions. And we actually become or lose our self-awareness or our heart awareness. No matter where you are right now, whether you're asking this question every day because you have some things going on inside your heart or you haven't asked this question in a long time, please hear me. God wants your heart and his heart to come into alignment. But what we have to understand is this. Point number two, if you're taking notes, is that you cannot fix your heart. Only God can change your heart. Only God can change a human heart. Only God. I've had conversations with people over and over throughout life and they'll say, Chris, there's something going on on the inside of me that I'm wrestling with things on the inside of me and, and I just can't seem to fix it. To which I think, good. Now we're getting somewhere. Because as long as you're trying to fix yourself, you're never going to find a solution. Only God, only God can change a human heart. He said it in Jeremiah. He said it in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, when he says, I, give, <clears throat> I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I love that. A heart of flesh. A heart that is alive. A heart that moves. A heart that beats. And what God wants for our heart is for our heart to be in the same rhythm, to beat to the same rhythm as that of heaven. Are you with me? That's what he wants for us. But be very careful, Christians in the room. Be very careful into thinking that once you uh, start walking with the Lord and you do that for a little while, that somewhere along the way you kind of gain the power to fix yourself. I don't care how many times you've been to church. I don't care how many times you've read the Bible. I don't care how many worship songs you know. I don't care how many days you spend in a prayer room. I don't care. When it comes to the issues of the heart, you cannot fix yourself and so what I need to do the next point is I need to go to this God go to this God who can do what I cannot do and I just need to ask him God would you do what I cannot do I believe that it is your will for my heart and your heart my desires and your desires to be the same I can't bring this change into my life on my own so I'm gonna go to you and I'm gonna ask you to do what I cannot do I, I, I started uh, driving this is driving, I guess. <clears throat> I started driving when I was 12 years old. 12 years old. No lie. If you're a 12 year old in here and you want to drive, that's between you and your mama and daddy. All right? And if you're a police officer in here, I'm sorry. But <clears throat> I started driving when I was 12 years old. And we lived out in the county and we had a lot of county roads. And my dad had a 1977 Dodge, three speed on the column. Anybody ever driven a three speed on the column? Okay, a few of y'all in here. Good deal. I'm not alone. That's the, that's the car I learned to drive in, 77 Dodge. One day we, were, uh, we hooked that Dodge up to this little walkway bridge, wooden walkway bridge, and me and my dad and my uncle, we were going to move it for somebody, and so we went out there and we hooked it up. My dad let me try to move it, keyword try, try to move it. So I get in there and I'm revving up the engine and then I'm popping the clutch, revving up the engine, popping the clutch, and it keeps going dead, keeps going dead. My dad would walk up to the window and he's like, son, son. If you just let out a little easier, and I'd say, Dad, I got this. I got this. Because you know when you're 12 or 13, you know everything there is to know in the world. You know what I mean? You're smarter than your parents at that point. Dad, I've got this. And it just kept trying, kept trying, kept trying, kept trying. Couldn't get it. Finally, I got out of the car. I walked over there across my arms. 
I watched my dad get in that truck. He started it up, moved it right out of the way. Thought to myself, I could have done that. <laughs> Many times God walks up to us and he's saying, son, daughter, if you would just, let, j, j, and before he can say anything, we cut him off and we say, God, I've got this. I've got this. Like I said just a moment ago, you don't got this. Not your heart. But God does. God does. And he can change your heart. Again, if you're here and you're struggling with the desires you know are on the inside of you, if you're wrestling with that, God can bring the change you're looking for. If you're here and you're, again, a follower of Christ, and you haven't asked this question in a while, ask it, because we get out of alignment with heaven really quick. But it starts with, I believe that God wants my heart to be like his heart. I cannot change this. Only God can change my heart. So I go to him and I ask. The fourth thing is this, is that I need to receive God's cleansing love for myself. Again, and again, and again, and again. Over and over in life, I need to re remember, it is God's will for my heart, his heart, to be aligned. I can't change this on my own, no matter how much I try. But I go to him and say, God, would you do what I cannot do? And then I receive his love, his cleansing love, again and again and again in my life. It's not a one-time thing. It is a continual thing. Paul said in Romans 5, 5, he said, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. But this pouring is a continual pouring. It's not just a one-time pouring. It's continual. It flows. It is eternal. Paul uses another image in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. He says, for God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light to shine in our hearts. It shines in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But this shining is a perpetual shining. It's not a one-time thing. It's not blink on, blink off. It is constantly shining. And it shines into our hearts. And that's what I mean. We go back to God. We cannot fix ourselves. I don't care how much you try. I think I've said that a few times today. Hopefully you'll believe me before you leave. You cannot fix yourself. But when you go to God and you let him pour his love into you, you let him shine into your life, that's when you find the solution that you need. And that's when your heart starts becoming like his heart. That's when your heart starts becoming like his heart. And that's point number five, is I need to let my heart become like God's heart. Let my heart become like God's heart. The, the, the word here is submission. It's submission. It's a joyful yielding. Whenever God, whenever we finally go to God, you know, many times we don't experience the change we want in our life because we never go to God and ask him to change us. But when we finally get up enough courage and we go to God and say, God, I need you to do something with what's going on inside of me. And he does that. All we have to do is submit to it. Lean into it. Yield to it. 
when God is doing his great work in us. Romans 6, 17 says, but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you're not anymore, though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from the heart. Obey from the heart, the pattern of teaching that has claimed your allegiance. That word allegiance is a heart word. It's a heart issue. It's claimed your devotion, your loyalty. Now your desires are changing because there's this obedience from the heart, meaning my heart is becoming like God's heart. And the question that we have to ask is how do we know? How do we know? How do I know when I, when I look in the mirror, how do I know my heart is becoming like God's heart? I would put two things before you. Number one is this. I know that my heart is becoming like God's heart when my desires change, your desires change. Oh, like, and when I say the word change, I mean like change. Like a lot of times we hear the word change and we think uh, study or read a book about it. No, I mean when your desires actually start changing. Y yeah? Y'all didn't drink coffee this morning, did you? I can tell. I can tell. Yeah, we got to get that back out there quick. Like, <laughs> like, there is like real change that happens in you. Real change. Whenever the baby is born, they start growing. One, two, three, four, five. Like, you can see the growth. Same thing is true with us. Whenever God is changing our heart, you can see the growth that's happening. David said in Psalm 19, verse 14, he said, May these words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What he's saying there is, God, I want the things that my heart meditates on, that they muse over, the desires that are growing and being developed in there, I want that to be pleasing to you. And when you start praying that kind of prayer, you start experiencing that kind of experience. And things start shifting in your life, and they start changing in your life. If you look around the world today, look in the church today. We, we have a world full of greed, gossip, grievances, and grudges. And when God starts changing your heart, you move from greed to generosity. You move from being a person who gossips all the time and talks about everyone all the time to a person of blessing. You just want to bless other people, not curse them. We walk around and we wear our grievances and our grudges on our shoulders like they're badges of honor when God is about forgiveness and reconciliation. You start seeing these changes happen in you. In you, not the person who you want it to happen in. In you. And the truth is you know that you need this kind of change if you're sitting here right now saying, man, I wish that other person was here. Amen or oh me. Mm. Like real change starts to happen in you. And then the second thing is that all of a sudden your view of obedience starts to change. We talk about obedience today like it's this, this thing that there's this God and he's kind of angry and he has a lightning bolt and he wrote a book and I'm supposed to follow the rules that are in the book and if I don't follow the rules in the book, and there's, something's going to happen with me and that lightning bolt. Psalm 19, verse 14, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock, my redeemer. That same psalm a few verses early, David gives us a totally different picture of religion of this book 
verse 7, he says, the law of the Lord is perfect. Oh, it's perfect. Reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Not this is an old-fashioned, out-of-date book that you've got to follow or you're going to hell. Totally different view. All of a sudden, obedience. I start shifting from duty to delight, from have to to get to. All of a sudden, I start wanting what God wants for me. I start wanting what God wants for my family. I start wanting what God wants for my church. I start wanting what God wants for my city. I start wanting what God wants for this world, not what I think the world needs, not what I think the city deans or the church needs or my family needs or I need, but what God wants. The desires literally change in a deep and powerful way. The question is, how can we have it now? Jerry, let's come on up. How can we have it now? How can we step into that now? What does that look like? Jesus had a, a younger half-brother. His name was James. You may have heard of him. He wrote a letter. And in James's letter, in James chapter 4, I know there's movement around me. Everybody right here for a second. In James chapter 4, in James chapter 4, verse 8, James wrote this verse. He said, come near to God, and God will come near to you. Some of your translations say, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Idea is the same. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. And then what does the verse go on to say? Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Psalm 24. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can stand in God's holy place? He who has clean and a pure heart. And James says the way you have that is you come to him. You just come. You just come. You stop making excuses and you come. You stop justifying your actions and you come. You stop waiting and you come. You stop blaming others for why you can't do this or that and you come. You just come. You come. I think the way that we get our heart aligned with heaven is we come to him. We draw near to him. And I think what it means for us to love God with all of our heart in so many ways, it simply means that we stop trying to hide what God already sees. And we come. We come to Him. Last week, we gave you a, or you received in the mail this card that looks like this. And the first challenge on here is how are you going to love God with all your heart in 2021, particularly around worship and prayer? These two ways that we come to the Lord and we draw near to the Lord, one as a corporate body and then also as individuals. How do we do that? What's that look like for me? The purpose of this card is to help you move from sporadic worship, sporadic prayer to strategic worship and strategic prayer so that you're constantly drawing near, you're coming near to Him, so that your heart and His heart are aligned. I encourage you to look at that this week, but for right now, I wanna ask you to bow your head.
because I think we have a question for today. The question for today is, how's your heart? I mean, like, really, how's your heart? Now, you can sit there and, like, just think about lunch until I'm done if you want to, but I think there's a moment here. How's your heart? Is your heart and God's heart, do they beat to the same thing? Father, for those who are in the room who have been struggling and wrestling with the desires of their heart, they, they feel this war on the inside. Lord, I pray for them right now. I pray that in this moment, it, they would not let this moment pass them by, but they would just pour their heart out to you and ask for you to do what they cannot do. Lord, there's some desires that need to be taken away. There's some desires that need to be poured in. And so, Lord, I pray you do that work right here, right now. Lord, I pray for those of us in the room who we think we are the last people on the planet that need this kind of prayer. We're the last people who need to take a hard look within. Father, I pray for greater self-awareness among your body. And Lord, that we would take time, moments in every day to look within our heart and make sure that our heart beats with your heart. So for those of us in the room right now who have neglected this kind of prayer, Lord, would you bring us back in this moment? Wherever we are, whatever we're going through, whatever our struggle is, right here, right now, may we come. May we come.